When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is More Than Amused podcast. This is our bonus episode, technically for the month of October, but we are here in November and prolonging our spooky season just a little bit with our book club episode for the month. Yes, indeed. And it's a good one. If you've been following along with Instagram lives, you know that we have been talking about this book all month. We even covered Mary Shelley in last week's episode. So there's been like a lot of buildup to this of like, you know, the discussion of Frankenstein. And I talked about this in our Mary Shelley episode, but I mean, we have been a podcast now for a little over two years and it took us that long to finally do an episode on one of the most famous woman artists and most famous works of art that I think a woman has done, at least a author, a book. Definitely. And it was so fun to actually read it, though. I loved that we did that. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. It's also just really fun to like consider the fact that Technically, science fiction and like monster novels were both created by a 19-year-old female. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> just like really fun. It's like, you know, this just feels a little bit like justice for all those guys that are like, science fiction is not for women and like other stuff like that. No, it's created by a, a woman. <laughs> totally. So. Also, I will say that this book was really good. Like, I really enjoyed it. I did read it as a senior in high school, but now that I'm like, I actually read it through this time and I realized that I must have spark noted the last half of it in high school because I definitely didn't read it. But I like genuinely was surprised by the turn of events and like I was I was hooked I was completely hooked on the story same I actually I hadn't read it in high school but I was shocked by how different like my thoughts on Frankenstein were from like mass media compared to what it actually is and it felt a little bit Mm -hmm. unfair that like we have this idea of who he is that's prevailed despite it not being who it actually is we did watch Frankenstein, mm-hmm. like one of the original movies of it. Was it the original Frankenstein movie that was made? That we yeah, watched? it's the Boris Karloff, like 1937, I think one. So, yep. I mean, I can see that the book maybe could be a hard thing to translate in a movie, just like the way that the book is paced out and things like that. And sure, there were like elements of the book showing, I don't know, I think that they kind of got Victor's attitude in right in some instances Mm -hmm. and like him leaving his wife when like obviously that was idiotic to do yeah and then also how the in the movie the like didn't mean to kill the little girl which kind of obviously alluded to the fact that he wasn't bad he was just misunderstood Mm -hmm. so like there were like aspects of the original novel but i mean huge 
points of the book were just completely different, which was interesting. Yes, like a lot of it. I think the major differences is like the creature actually is like a very eloquent speaker. He actually goes in like a lot of monologues about like creation and like all sorts of stuff. Like he's very profound. And from all of mass media, you would never assume that to be the case. It also Mm -hmm. never ever mentions that he's green. So I think that's something that they came up with as well. It just describes him as like really large and hideous. Yeah. So kind of funny that they like took that to mean let's add green. But I wonder if that was like a color television kind of deal, you know? Because now it's like the green Frankenstein is like, I mean, that's what he is. It's it's green. Like that's how you know it's Frankenstein. Yeah, exactly. So kind of funny that that ended up being like so synonymous with him. And Mm -hmm. then just the fact that he doesn't have a name and we just call him his yeah. creator's name. Well, for today's episode, we are going to go over some book club discussion questions, talk about the themes of the novel. So I guess, dang it, if you haven't read the book, I should put a spoiler warning. <laughs> we will discuss the Yeah, ending. we're going to spoil a book that was written clear back in the 1800s. So sorry, we're the yeah. worst, but you have been warned. So question two, or like the first one we're asking, so I guess question one is, what does it mean to be a monster? Who's the real monster in Frankenstein? Is Victor the well-intentioned yet troubled scientist a monster, or is his creation the monster? Are they both monsters in their own ways? I mean, to give a brief synopsis, if anyone hasn't read it, Victor makes this monster immediately abandons it and is so horrified by his own creation after he isolated himself from the entire world for months and months, maybe even years, I guess, creating this. And then the monster was left to kind of fend for himself. And because of that, I mean, he was very, apparently very ugly, very horrible. He was rejected from society. And eventually he got his revenge by killing everybody that Victor loved. So what are your thoughts on that? Who is the true monster? I think it's Victor. (laughs) I don't know. I do Yeah, it's like kind of hard because it's like, where does the responsibility of the creator lie? And I think this is something that a Mm -hmm. lot of people bring up with like serial killers or they're like, if the parents were abusive, does the blame for the murders of them lay on their parents? But because Victor, like he didn't just have a kid and like be a bad parent. He literally like studied how to create a reanimated dead body and then Mm -hmm. was so mad with the way it looked when, by the way, he was the one who chose how it looked that he ran away immediately. It's just the lack of thoughtfulness of like, did you not have any game plan? Like like you said, you saw what it looked like as you were creating Uh it. And obviously you were doing this so that it would work yep. like like what was what was the game yeah, plan? like the quote that he says too he's like a cursed creator why did you form a monster so hideous that even you turned from me in disgust and i i think that that's like yeah. a good point that it's like he had kind of more of a responsibility because it wasn't just like an ugly child where you know you don't really know what they look like until they like come out and are finished kind of he knew the entire time like yeah. how different could the monster look from when it opened its eyes and when they were closed you know it just so i think it's a lot of the responsibility is on frankenstein the scientist well the student more than the monster because i just he had more of a responsibility to like teach this creature more about his existence and he did yeah and i also feel too that he had so many chances to do the right thing mm-hmm. 
and then he continued to not do the right thing and because of his actions more people were hurt i mean like obviously the monster is to be blamed for the actual murders he shouldn't have killed a child and I don't like that he killed Henry and Elizabeth because they were great characters mm-hmm. and it seemed like they were actually good benevolent people and obviously revenge is never the right mode yeah. but also it would have been completely avoidable I think question I don't know if another question will bring this up but do you think that Victor Frankenstein did the right thing by not creating the female version of the monster for oh, I I struggled with this (laughs) because like I think a lot of the reasons why he didn't were valid. He didn't know whether or not it was going to turn out good. He didn't know like if they could have children and what that would do. But I kind of go back to the fact that the monster did talk about how at the beginning he was like a benevolent good creature and that it wasn't until like humanity Mm -hmm. rejected him that he turned into like a horrible creature. And it's such a pure request to just be like, can you just make someone who looks like me so we can like escape and just provide comfort for one another? Like, isn't that kind of what everyone wants? Mm -hmm. And I think especially with his comparisons a lot to himself as like Adam or Satan, he's kind of saying like, look, Adam was given a wife, like give me someone so I'm not alone, you know, so that I can just go and live my life with someone who will actually understand me. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I like feel like it's such a pure request, but. But also that was like the one time in the novel that I was like, okay, you know, Victor, you got some good points because obviously this other monster will also be an outcast from society and maybe they take it in a very different way and they end up convincing the monster that they need to kill, you know, everyone, everyone that they can. Like he has no way of doing that. And obviously the creature he's, he's created like is very strong, is, you know, taller, has like, more abilities than like an average human would so i could sympathize with his case but i also too at that point it's so funny how i think mary shelley was obviously obviously a very talented author because even after we knew that the monster had killed a child i was still like i felt so bad for it yeah and and obviously like that was her point and it worked so like to make the villain still sympathetic you know Mm -hmm. that's I don't know. It was very effective. No, I completely agree. Because I think like you just look back at it and you're like, well, you had no one to teach you. Like if no one ever teaches you right mm-hmm. from wrong, if no one ever like teaches you to control your emotions, if no one ever like guides you and helps you in any way, yeah. then like what is expected of you, you know? No, I agree. And it's kind of fun too to think about that that's probably what the Bride of Frankenstein movies and everything are about is like what would have happened if he actually yeah. would have been given his bride. Next one. Frankenstein is often used as an example of ethical versus non-ethical scientific and medical procedure. Do you think that the way that Victor created his creature was ethical or non-ethical and should he have made his creature at all? No, (laughs) is my belief. (laughs) Also, another like prevalent theme in this is like the danger of passion consuming your Mm -hmm. life. And obviously it was affecting it so that he couldn't do anything healthy outside of it. And this is something we talk a lot about on the podcast, just generally speaking, is like, yeah, you need to be creating art, but you also need to be a balanced, well, you know, individual and i think that if your art is taking away from your ability to function in society and have meaningful relationships mm, yeah you're not doing it for the right reason 
And so that's like another reason why of like, no, you, this should not have happened. And also because it's like, what aim was it? Like, I don't feel like it was for, I think maybe he would probably say it was like, oh, so no one ever has to die and it's amazing. But it, it was very selfish motives, I feel, well, the entire yeah, time. Yeah, and he was so unprepared for it because it was like, okay, if the point was exactly. reanimating dead bodies, then like he should have wanted to interview it to see like, oh, do you have any memories of like who mm-hmm. you came from before? Like, which apparently he didn't, you know, he was basically a blank brain. Yeah. Like there should have been more preparation in place, like more – of what the purpose actually was, but it just seemed that he honestly got so caught up in the glory of doing something that no one else had ever done that he didn't think beyond that. That there was no thoughts. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Seriously. So, of course, he never should have created the monster. It was like the stupidest thing ever. And his whole problem would have been solved (laughs) (laughs) if he just wouldn't have done that. But just greedy, ambitious, little i don't know i don't know i don't i do not like victor no i don't like him either i think he's kind of got like a big head and then he also just like lets misery consume him without any like ownership like so many times he was just like oh and now i'm miserable and it was like well then do something Mm -hmm. about it you idiot (laughs) what the heck Well, and the next question, it kind of talks about what is the role of fate and is it really fate? Because repeatedly he will be like, oh, and fate contributed to this horrible thing. Like it was fate that made this happen. But in reality, he's just never taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was doing the entire time. He wasn't taking responsibility for the creature, but then he also wasn't taking responsibility for anything, which I mean, he kind of was because he'd be like, oh, it's all my fault that William and Josephine, is that her name? The woman? I think, I think so. so yeah. Who who died. And it was like, okay, yeah, it is your fault. You're almost there. Now do something mm-hmm. about it. Take responsibility instead of being like, woe is me. Fate has cursed me. Take some kind of meaningful action yes. and move forward. I like fully do not believe in fate and I think I like even solidifies mm-hmm. in this novel because it's just like no this is just the consequence of your actions like this is not yeah. fate this is you literally like grave robbing reanimating a corpse abandoning it yeah. and then getting mad when it like takes revenge out on you and your family like what do you mean fate like this was all your fault <laughs> like this was a series of poor choices and a series of just like you said, repeatedly not taking consequences for any of your mm-hmm. actions or even giving any thought to like, oh, I should be responsible for what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, which is so weird with – there's a lot of like religious references yeah. in this novel and it's very interesting to me that like agency isn't something that he ever like thinks about regardless of how many times like mm-hmm. demons and everything else are brought up. Like choices are so important throughout the Bible too and like he doesn't really ever talk about the fact that like it's his choices. It's his choice that he yeah. should have been responsible for. And it for. would have been nice yeah, to see a absolutely. little bit more self-reflection. Perhaps him like comparing creating the creature to like biting the forbidden fruit or something. You know what I mean? Like wanting yeah. the glory and more than than the known path. The smart. Yeah. What I thought was interesting too is at the very end of the novel, well, I guess not the very end of the novel, but nearing the end when they are like trapped all in ice on the boat and what is his name? Walton? Yes. Yeah. 
his crew is basically saying like, hey, if we make it out of this alive, let's turn around. And Walton is kind of like, okay, you're right. Like, we should just turn around. We should abandon this. And then Frankenstein goes on this whole speech to them and was like, you're going to go back and you're going to be shamed. And like, I thought you were trying to achieve something here and like called them out for it and like made them feel like they should continue on their thing when it's like they were dying, like they were so near death. And then to continue on would be idiotic, Mm -hmm. obviously. But he was like condemning them for wanting to do that. And what I took is that literally even after everything, he's on his deathbed now. All of his family is dead. He has followed this monster into the Arctic and he obviously still hasn't learned because the advice he's giving is so horrible and so contrary to everything that has happened to him. And what's interesting, too, is I feel like at the beginning of the novel, he was like, oh, be careful of your ambitions because this is what happened to me. But I just found that so interesting and very telling of his character that even after sharing his entire tale, when he was like almost like faced with a new circumstance, he still wasn't able to be wise and logical Mm -hmm. you know and thankfully walton and his crew they did end up turning around and then after walton told him that i think he had a moment of self-reflection before he ended up dying but i mean it's just i just i found that humorous Mm -hmm. that because what i what i was expecting to happen would be that he would go on this big long thing of being like yes turn around don't make the same mistakes i did like i wasted my life for my ambitions and i was blinded of so many like so much joy like i thought that's what that's where that was going yeah. and it it went the opposite and i was like you suck i did see a thing that talked about how like the comparison between walton's desire for like exploration of science you know kind of wanting to travel beyond where any man has gone before and like Frankenstein's exploration of science of like wanting to create something that's never been done before are kind of like direct Mm -hmm. opposites in a lot of way because Walton has this like desire for friendship that he realizes within his quest that he desires companionship and like in a lot of ways that's comparable to the monster right like he wants a friend more than he really wants the glory mm-hmm. of what he's doing, even though he thinks his mission is important. But then you have Frankenstein, mm-hmm. who literally didn't write his family for four months because he was so caught up in like the importance to himself of what yeah. he was doing. And all the m- moments, too, that he would just like be in bed for months yes. because he was just so overwhelmed. And all of his family had to come save mm-hmm. him. Like Henry had to come and just like sit by his side for a whole winter. And then his, yeah, and his father had to come where he was at and yeah like he was everyone was coming to rescue him whereas you have walton who like in the end ends up saving his crew and like making the right decision so Mm -hmm. i think it's like the difference between like a selfish and a selfless genius like not letting yourself Mm. get carried up in like your life's work either that like if you desire other people to be a part of what you're doing then like you can't let them become collateral damage as well and i like feel like Frankenstein mm-hmm. like totally does. He just lets everyone around him die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And he never learned apparently. <laughs> so it talks a lot about nature versus nurture being an important theme. Yes. Actor's creature, he doesn't teach or raise it, but abandons it to figure out life on its own. If he had raised the creature, do you think it would have turned out better? Would it still have become a vindictive I, creature? I, I do. It's hard because Victor was kind of a horrible guy, so I don't think he would be a good dad. But 
and that's the other thing too is like obviously like serial killers parents are not the fault of your serial killers and a lot of people come from horrible backgrounds who don't become Mm -hmm. serial killers so like there's a very very big danger in saying yes it's all on nurture because then it's almost like it is our fate you know it's whatever we're born to is what we are basically have to be when it's like no we we can rise above horrible circumstances and it's because our parents paths maybe suck that doesn't mean our paths suck so it's like it's definitely a fine balance that you have to walk because to put it all on victor is like saying that none of us could rise above our situations and i don't believe that is true but realistically too if he would have raised it and like been proud of it and then almost like the creature was like displayed as like a wonder of science i don't think he would have been shunned in the way that he ended up being i agree yeah it's kind of hard because it's like honestly before he was like rejected by like he calls him like his guardians right the little family in the cottage Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a horrible yeah. creature. He was like, I eat berries and like nuts from the trees. Like he's not out like murdering animals. He like gathered wood for them. Yeah. He learned how to read on his own. And like, honestly, his desires were so pure. He just wanted like friends. And he thought yeah. that if he like slowly approached them, then it would work out. And it was only after he realized how horrible the world was that he kind of took the turn that he did and like lashed out at the mm-hmm. fact that he was created the way he was. It kind of made me think a lot about like society's beauty standards as well, that it's like, it's not his uh, fault he's ugly. And yet that was like the thing that everyone yeah. was so mad at him about. They were like, oh, you're horrid. And he's like, no one will love me because I'm ugly. But I didn't even decide to look like no this. No one will give me the chance. Like this is just how I look. Yeah. So a lot of it, I also feel like is kind of on the world. I don't know if you can blame the world for, like, nurture, but if, like, every single thing in, like, a person's life rejects them, like, how would we expect them to turn out? Mm -hmm. They'd be a monster. But I do feel like there are people today where, like, that is the case, Mm -hmm. you know, is maybe they are rejected from everyone or they feel like they've been rejected from everyone. But, like, that doesn't excuse negative actions that they might do, monstrous actions even, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, sure, we can maybe trace it and figure out where it comes from. But at the end of the day, you have to choose to not be a monster. And even if we can understand why he did, he gave into that and sought revenge. And from my interpretation of his last speech, he was like, I didn't like doing that. And I shouldn't have done it now. Because it's almost like without his creator now, like, what does he have left? Yeah. He doesn't have anything. No. So at the end, everyone lost because... He did give in to that like revenge mindset. And in the end, everyone does lose. I don't know. Because who knows? I mean, maybe if he could have kept finding people, maybe he eventually would have found people who loved him. Who's who's to say? I don't know. No. Maybe that's me being optimistic. No, I agree. It's kind of like a hard question to answer. How would the story and its meaning differ if we never got the creature side of the story? We like wouldn't have the story. <laughs> well, I mean, then it would seem that he was you know, the clear villain. Mm-hmm. I feel like but it would make I the think... creature's motivations like more murky. Like you wouldn't know why he was doing the things he would. It would be more like a traditional monster. Yeah. Or he's just mean and awful for no reason and it's just out to get everybody. And I'm I, I feel too that you would you would assume the worst intentions and just assume that, oh, it was in his nature to be evil and to be murderous. Yeah. This one is interesting. So this question says, gender roles are an underlying theme throughout the book. 
Most of the women are domestic, often taking care of the children of the family and waiting for the betrothed to return home. How would the story be different if Elizabeth Lavenza, Victor Frankenstein's love, created the monster instead? Might she have been a better role model, maybe even maternal towards her creature as she is towards Victor's siblings? This one's like hard to answer because I don't want to be like, well, women are always more maternal because that like feels like it's leaning into like a sexist thing. I honestly feel like the character of Elizabeth, even if she had been a scientist, I don't think she would have created the monster. True. I also, I remember when we were talking about Mary Shelley that there were some people who have like the commentary on Frankenstein, like through the lens of her life, which is a woman who has lost a lot of her children and and then later in her life too. So this isn't at the time that the book was written, but like had to like pretty much finish raising her child alone because her husband ended up dying. But some people have kind of talked about like this is almost like the way that she processed the grief of losing her children maybe. Mm. And I feel like that's an interesting lens to look through mm-hmm. it. There was a specific quote here. There was something really interesting that I thought it said. And I f- wonder, now that I've read the book in entirety, I wonder if I have a little bit more thoughts on it. With the rise of feminist literary criticism in the 1970s, Mary Shelley's work, particularly Frankenstein, began to attract more attention from scholars. Feminist and psychoanalytic critics were largely responsible for the recovery from neglect of Shelley as a writer. Ellen Moores was one of the first to claim that Shelley's loss of a baby was a crucial influence on the writing of Frankenstein. She argues that the novel is a birth myth in which Shelley comes to terms with her guilt for causing her mother's death as well as for failing as a parent. Shelley scholar... Anne K. Meller suggests that from a feminist viewpoint, it is a story about what happens when a man tries to have a baby without a woman. Frankenstein is profoundly concerned with natural as opposed to unnatural modes of production and reproduction. Victor Frankenstein's failure as a parent in the novel has been read as an expression of the anxieties which accompany pregnancy, giving birth, and particularly maternity. Mm. And I thought that was an interesting take on that. And now that I'm like, you know, have read the novel, it's like, I wonder, yeah, if you know, she put herself in, I don't know, in Frankenstein or maybe, I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, it made me think a lot about the quote that it's like only if a face, only a mother could love or something like that. You know, that like, I think women tend to have more ownership over like babies because they grew them. (laughs) Like they're literally from them. (laughs) And so I think that in that way, maybe it shows the difference that Mary Shelley looked at of like a man with a creation. Like you'd think he would have more ownership or like wonder or awe at his creation considering he literally put it together like piece by piece, you know? Created But it. instead yeah. he's like horrified by mm-hmm. it. And maybe that's – there's something to be said about that, that like the difference that – interesting yeah that she thinks a woman would have had towards their creation oh yeah i forgot about that phrase like a face only a mother could love because yeah maybe i agree with like with that book club question it's like i don't want to like give into it and be like yes elizabeth would have loved him perfectly because women are just always more maternal (laughs) but i don't know you know maybe mary shelley was just making observations in her life and i don't know maybe that was her thoughts on the matter yeah especially with her growing up in a time when yeah women were very much so like the characters Mm -hmm. in her book all in very yes stereotypical traditional roles roles. yeah 
Mm-hmm. I like this last question. It talks about how science was rapidly changing in the 1800s and continues to further advance today. Her novel serves as a warning of science gone awry in the irreversible outcomes of well-intentioned experiments. What are some scientific inventions mm-hmm. or experiments that are happening now that could lead to monstrous results? This made me think of like how many movies and everything we have about like science going wrong. Like we're terrified of like our own yeah. progress. Like Jurassic Park and Mm -hmm. even like the Marvel movies, you know, like the Hulk and, you know, or like experiments go wrong and it leads to monstrous results. Yeah. And I think that's like a good question. And I I know especially like relating it back to kind of like the theme of like creation and childbirth. I know like there's a lot of talk about like the ethics involving fertility treatments Mm. you know and like at what point is it almost like a eugenics thing where if you if you get to just like pick and choose what your baby looks like before it's born like ooh, like what are the moral implications of that i can't like i can't exactly remember like specifically what the issue was but my sister-in-law she worked in a fertility clinic for a period of time and she like kind of brought that up to me one day of like there's a lot of like questionable not questionable things happening but like in the sense that like a lot of people have questions about it like is it right how much we are pushing the envelope at what point are we taking it too far Mm -hmm. even specifically about child rearing and things like that yeah no that's a good point i think that's something that they've kind of always kind of battling with right like cloning and stuff like that it's hard yeah just lots of questions on when are we pushing it too far Because sometimes it's like, maybe it's okay just to have a nice life and be happy with your loved ones. But I feel like as humans, we love to push the envelope and sometimes it's not for the better. Yeah. I know a lot of people are like debating ethics of like artificial intelligence and stuff like that now too. Oh yeah. Like how many movies we've had about like artificial intelligence, like learning and then coming to life. Yeah. Because like what happens if everything is replaced by machines at one point Mm -hmm. i mean in a way that's kind of what frankenstein is it's like creating a life that's just a machine rather than a pieces of an old corpse yeah what are the ethics of that and then can you just unplug it if it's like intelligent in its own way i don't know yeah i don't know it's just funny like how relevant this novel continues to be (laughs) like so much later like it's been 200 years and we can still compare it to like modern what's happening yeah like that is a well-written book right Mm -hmm. there i know and that's another thing that like a lot of book discussion questions bring up is it's like obviously what this book is discussing is something so universal that even now hundreds of years later there's the same themes which also just shows that you know what we're still humanity Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we are progressing i'm in some ways hopefully but the same themes of oh are we taking science too far um am i letting my own passions blind me to the life that I have? Am I taking responsibility for my actions? Am I doing my best to minimize the people I love's, I don't know, risk? Yeah. They're all obviously things that need to continue to be thought about and considered in every day of our lives. Definitely. Like 100%. Oh man. I just to like wrap it up, there is like a funny quote I saw where it's like, I love that the moral of Frankenstein isn't like grave robbing is bad because it like kind of glosses over the fact that he like literally steals bodies from graves and instead it's more of like if you i had the same create like a giant corpse son you better be prepared to love him (laughs) 
And you know what? Yes, Mm -hmm. you better be prepared. Yep. So just love that, like (laughs) taking ownership of your actions and your creations and, you know, like dealing with the aftermath of that, whatever it may be. And also if your ambitions start with grave robbing, maybe just pick something new. Yeah. (laughs) If it starts with a crime, it's probably not a good idea. (laughs) An unethical crime. I mean, well, I guess generally crimes are unethical, but even if it wasn't a crime, it would be unethical. Yeah. This one especially is like, it's weird that we glaze over the grave robbing a little because it's like, ooh, there's a lot of like grave robbing and mutilating dead bodies. There's some like some weird bodily autonomy connotations we could get into there and yeah not absolutely not a good idea not great well anything else i don't think so yeah it was just a really good book highly recommend if you didn't end up having to read it for high school english class or if you didn't really read it still worth when it. you took high school english class which we've all been there mm-hmm. um yes <laughs> go give it a shot it's a really good one go join us on instagram which is more than amuse podcast mm-hmm. we did do a giveaway in october and we gave away an edition of frankenstein and so hey follow us on instagram maybe we'll do a giveaway in the future and you could also get something really cool. Yeah, definitely. We love giving away books and other fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a great time for everyone. And it's a great time. Well, now it's like officially November. So yeah, we'll be back with more content throughout this month and on to Christmas. So it's going to be a fun time. Well, be back Monday. Bye. Bye.